Good morning. It's July the 13th. We're reading through the Bible in a year. We are in the Psalms. And remember, we don't have as much material here every day in our Old Testament reading. Sometimes if you're rushing through your DVR because you're busy in your morning schedule or whatever it might be, please take your time here reading these Psalms because there's not a lot of material. It's full of meaning and, and application and purpose in terms of God wanting to do good things in your life through these Psalms. Uh, but just know that we can kind of, of slow down as we read these and ingest these Psalms. They're um, so helpful for our Christian life, in part because we can identify with the feeling of the psalmist. We have three psalms today, Psalms 10, 11, and 12. And in Psalm 10, we have that sense of injustice where the psalmist is crying out that God is not answering. It feels like, as I put it so many times, like our prayers are hitting the ceiling and we're going to feel that. We can identify with that. We can even see the frustration of the psalmist thinking about the injustice and wanting God to step up and deal with that in a very strong and, and graphic way, break the arm of the wicked in this passage. And that may bother us. It's what we call imprecatory psalms, where there's a prayer, an expression to God, that God would do something bad to the enemies of God. And it's not just the enemies of the psalmist, because of course, you know, God tells us never to take our own vengeance and we're not to be cursing people. Those are clear biblical uh, directives for us. But we do understand that the indignant feelings we have of anger toward people that are snubbing their nose at God, who are uh, being defiant against God and his truth, uh, it's natural to feel this way. And not that we are agents of his vengeance. We're certainly not. Um, but here to pray that God would step up and deal with his enemies and to deal with those who are wronging his people, completely natural feeling. And sometimes we just need that even comfort of knowing that godly people in the Bible are expressing that kind of feeling as well. Uh, chapter 11, or I should say Psalm 11, uh, a good compliment to Psalm 10, just that we want to take refuge in the Lord. We want to trust in him. We want to find our relief in him, even when things are out of control, uh, as the expressions are made that God hates the wicked, which I know is a new thought uh, to so many people, uh, that feeling of displeasure that God has toward those who do wrong. A lot of people say God hates the sin, but not the sinner. Uh, you know, that's a dichotomy we've created to feel better about God's reaction to sinners. Um, but we need to recognize in this passage, along with a lot that we've read already in the first uh, 10 chapters, we see a lot of the expressions here of how the psalmist is used by the Spirit to jot down God's feelings of displeasure toward uh, those that are unrighteous, those that are rebellious. And um, does God save those that he hates? Of course he does, right? Think about that. Even love is not an emotion, like he feels good about sinners. He certainly doesn't, but he certainly sends his son to die for sinners, to quote Romans chapter 5. And we know that the demonstration of that love towards sinners is his willingness to do good for them. In this case, in the biggest way, to send his son as a payment for the sins that they've committed. So uh, there's this sense of displeasure toward the, the evil and even a prayer that God would uh, do what he needs to do. In chapter 10, we see a lot of that coming through here in this passage. And then a great verse. I quote this one a lot, Psalm 11, uh, verse 7, the end of this, when it talks about the, the Lord you know, is righteous and he loves righteous deeds. Even that, just the sense of his positivity toward us doing what is right. Uh, some basic things we like to sometimes walk our way around theologically, but uh, right here for us, they're true. We need to embrace them. We need to understand them as they're kind of put out there in a raw format in chapter 11 or Psalm 11. Psalm 12, uh, save you know, us do something to intervene. Of course, a lot of that theme here in the last couple of Psalms, but also in Psalm uh, 
uh, 12. Uh, faithful are gone, the, the righteous are gone, the godly are gone. I mean, they're gone. You've got to step up and do justice, and in the end, God will. That's the affirmation of God's truth. It's refined, it's true, it can't be undone. God is a God whose truth will prevail, and all that he promises, both toward the righteous and those that are not, are going to be fulfilled. Acts 17, great text, running out of time here, but here's Paul preaching to the Areopagus, this uh, leadership in Athens, and he starts with Old Testament truths. God is a creator, God is holy, he's just. These are the principles that he lays down for people that don't have that Jewish background. Super important observation to make here, calling them all to repentance, quoting their own poets, not affirming that everything they say is true, but quoting them because there's some truth that he can call their attention to and say, listen, God has made us for himself and we need to seek him and get to the place of repentance. Anyway, fabulous passage. My communion imperative for you is the second half of yesterday's verse, Romans chapter 15, verse 24. The end of that verse says, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. I'm going to come, I'm going to have you help me on to Spain. And then he says, once I've enjoyed your company for hours. I'd put it this way. You just need to enjoy the company of other Christians. That's certainly the case, whether they're helping us on our missionary journey or whether we just have time with them. Enjoy that. That's your family. That's the family of God. And I would work today to enjoy the company of other Christians. And there's a good uh, biblical imperative, community imperative for us to exercise today. We'll see you tomorrow.